asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. In recent weeks, we've really focused on some ways that listeners can boost their income. Uh, so whether that's through starting your own side business and growing your network like Hala talked about, or when we talked with local realtor Alan about diving into investing in real estate, well, what better way to test the waters? While you are away, your home could also earn extra income. That's right. Your empty space could be an Airbnb while you're traveling, because that's all you need to become an Airbnb host. It's a lot easier than you think, and you don't need to Airbnb your entire house. You could just host your extra spare room. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Supercharge your work decks with AI-powered Canva presentations. All you do is start with a prompt. You describe your, your presentation in a few words, and Canva presentations will generate captivating slides that you can then customize in seconds. Canva presentations are designed for every workplace and every department. Whether you work in sales, marketing, HR, ops, and more, Canva presentations can generate any deck you want for work. Sales decks, marketing presentations, onboarding plans, you name it. Any department can save time on any presentation with AI. Generate slides and seconds with Canva presentations at canva.com. Designed for work. There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the 7 most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about 7 minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. Welcome to How to Money. I'm Joel. And I'm Matt. And today we're discussing getting your money etiquette right. Well, you know, this episode reminds me of uh, one we had uh, several weeks ago with Gorick, where he, he spoke on the unspoken rules of success. And there are these things that some people do, some people don't do in life, and it, it allows certain individuals to get ahead in life. Uh, specifically, in his case, he was speaking about your career. Yeah, and, and nobody tells you those things. Most of the time, you got to figure it out. You kind of trying to help people figure it out it, earlier. Exactly. You kind of pick up on it naturally. Some folks do, but then some folks just don't. Some folks have no clue that, oh, I should be sending a follow-up email. Oh, <laughs> I should proactively ask, like, what can I do to make your life better, boss? Like that kind of thing, right? Uh, I think the same thing is true when it comes to money etiquette. There are are some folks who are more who you know let's be honest they have a higher emotional quotient perhaps yeah. uh, and they're able to just pick up on small little hints and clues and just how people are responding to them when they're talking about money whether that's a good thing or a bad thing but then there's some folks who truly have no clue and so we are talking about money etiquette today because we want this to be something that we are talking about more often. Because if this is you, uh, you want to stop making your friends uncomfortable <laughs> every time you talk about saving money or pinching pennies or being being frugal. These are all things that can be talked about well, but it does come down to what approach you take. Right. And sometimes people decide not to talk about money at all because they think that's the right etiquette. We disagree on that, too. We'll get to that later in this Agreed. episode. So this is basically how to money uh, Emily Post edition on, on 
<laughs> on today's show. We'll get to that. But Matt, I wanted to mention really quickly, so everybody knows that we love craft beer. Today on the show, we're drinking That's an right. IPA by Barrel Brewing. But I wanted to quickly mention that I think for the first time ever, I balked at purchasing a, a beer. I walked no away way. from the cooler and I didn't take that four pack in my hands because the price point was just too high. And so I don't know. I'm, I wonder even- Prices if, have gone up. I mean, just even over the past few years, we've seen the price. First of all, it's gone from six packs to four packs, right. which that alone really pisses some people off. I don't <laughs> mind because same they, amount of liquid, but well, well for most, there's a lot of less, right? sixteen ounce four packs. Yeah, um, but it is a higher. Typically, it's a higher quality beer, and I can appreciate that. Right, but the thing is, like, even with something that I love. I have a limit, <laughs> and, um, and and so I I think it was thirty three or thirty four dollars for a four pack of this delicious sounding sour that was like really highly rated on Untapped, and I was yeah. like, man, I really want to try it, but it, it turns out that I was like, it's just to me, it's not worth that. Like I don't want to try it that badly. There are some really great beers that I can get for fifteen or sixteen or eighteen bucks for a four pack, and even that it, like took me a while to be <laughs> feel comfortable <laughs> spending that. But yeah, I was like, I went over Joel. the single section to see if I could find a single can of that, yeah. even though. That that would be like $9. <laughs> but at least then I'm like, all right, I get to taste it. Yeah. But I don't okay. have to you know, put out all the money. I was going to have to remind you here for a second. I was going to say, Joel, like craft beer is our craft beer equivalent, dude. <laughs> like like this is something that we splurge on. Right. Uh, but, but even in that, there's got to be a limit, right? <laughs> if if your BMW is, the, is, is your craft beer equivalent, that's okay. But do you have to go all the way to the M3 edition that costs like $30,000 more? <laughs> no, probably not. So I mean, like I think even within the things that we love, there are limits. And it's okay to say, you know what? Today, I'm not feeling it. Maybe not. Yeah. Maybe in a few months, you'll get used to it. Because here's the thing. What if that was going to be, like, in your opinion, that could have been the best beer in the entire world? If I and knew, you would not have known because you didn't even give it a shot. If I knew that that was what it was going to be, I would have paid it. Okay. But I was like, I mean, it's <laughs> another beer and it rates well, but um, I don't know. So I'll look again in the single section, see if I can find it next time because... I don't mind spending maybe nine bucks on one great beer. Well, if it's not that great, I guess that's the that's the thing that you're trying to. That's avoid, the risk you're taking. Right? Like for you, sure. you want to avoid spending a ton of money on four beers, where you're saying to yourself, "Man, that really wasn't worth it." I can have an equivalent quality beer for maybe twenty bucks for a four pack. Yeah, I, if if I'm underwhelmed on a thirty something dollar beer, I'm you're I'm stuck with probably yeah. not going to be happy. You're going to be like, "Hey, man, you want to go and have these with me on, <laughs> <laughs> on this particular I'll beer?" I'll drop off on your doorstep. <laughs> uh, but okay, so I know we've all got that price point. I just want our listeners to know too, we as the How to Money hosts even have our price limits, even in the category that we love to spend money on. It's still worth being price conscious. Yeah, still bought some good beers that day, but just not that particular one. All right, let's keep moving on though, Matt. Let's get to the topic at hand. We are discussing getting your money etiquette right. And Matt, uh, speaking of unwillingness to spend, I personally, we, I don't really spend a whole lot of money at fancy restaurants. I think we talked about this not too long ago. The one time my wife and I did go to one of those fancy restaurants where you can watch the chef cook, I was uh, a little nervous about the bill I was going to receive. We like good food, but the super fancy restaurant culture just isn't really our jam. And like, if there's, if there's like three forks on the table, I'm probably walking out of there. Because one, I don't even really know like which direction you go in. Is it out out to in? Is that right? I don't even know, man. Okay. So, okay. I'm, You're like, what's that fork doing at the top of my plate? I don't know. <laughs> You're more refined than me. I, I thought you might have known. but uh, I mean, I enjoy, Kate and I like going to fancier, nicer restaurants. But the actual etiquette that goes into the, the niceties of which fork I'm supposed to use with what course 
I'm less refined in that in that way. My palate's refined, but my etiquette maybe could use some work. Gotcha. So <laughs> maybe you and I, neither of us, are the people to be giving <laughs> etiquette advice on today's show. But we're gonna. But we know money. We're gonna push through. We're gonna try anyway. Yeah. And we're gonna talk about different money conundrums that pop up in all of our lives. Stuff like splitting the bill, tipping, going on dates, and more. There's just uh, there's also uh, we want you to know ahead of time. There's a lot of subjectivity around this topic. So you're gonna hear our opinions today. You're gonna hear our sure. thoughts. But uh, yeah, we hope that they're helpful in informing you and giving you some direction when it comes to those tough money etiquette decisions. But just know, too, these aren't like the Ten Commandments handed down from on high from the right. How to Money host. These are actually, uh, th- these are kind of how we treat these things and how we think you should think through maybe these money etiquette conundrums. They're meant to be more like ballpark answers than like specific facts. Yeah. And you mentioned uh, the Ten Commandments. So <laughs> because I think that's so true. I think there are a lot of folks who believe that there are some money rules or principles that pretty much are etched in stone. Uh, they, they feel that there's either a right way and you know then there's a wrong way to do things. But so much of money is personal um, and not only personal, but there are social expectations and different pressures placed on us. And so sometimes we're not sure of what the, you know, the right path for us to take is. Uh, and so, for instance, if gratuity, if it's already included uh, on the bill, do I still tip extra? <laughs> it's helpful to think about this kind of stuff before the bill hits the table so you don't end up, you know, guilt tipping or just, you know, pulling a, a money etiquette faux pas. Just running away. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you can't, yeah, you don't want to nine a dash. And also, you know, we want you to be confident that you have the money in your budget to actually cover that generous tip if you so choose to. And so our goal for this episode is to help you to think about the right way to think about these things. We want to help you to navigate these money etiquette waters. No doubt. I think of us as like the third base coach in baseball, Matt. You've seen him give all the the weird signs to the person at the plate, like tugging on their ears, touching their nose. And that's kind of what we're doing here. We're like making some signals. Dude, I don't watch baseball. (laughs) (laughs) I know you don't. It's playoff time. But Is it? Yeah. I I don't even know. But we all know about your lack of dedication to really any sport besides soccer. But speaking of soccer, soccer is a very European sport. And my favorite Uh uh, model of tipping comes from... Europe. Uh, over there, tipping... I like tipping the South American way. Yeah. Soccer's big there, too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I just wanted to just to briefly mention that we have kind of a ne- unique system here in the States. The, the lack of tipping actually across the pond and the increased wages and the cost of the meal is just a much more comfortable way for many people to do things. Matt, I know you and I maybe disagree a little bit on this one, but uh, you, you kind of know what you're paying for and you know that the server is being paid a reasonable salary. Unlike here, where tips are the primary source of income, like that yeah. person who's serving your food might be making a dollar fifty an hour, and then you you feel a little more guilty about how much you should be tipping. And granted, yeah, if that's the case, you should be tipping well. But in Europe, you, you know, there's not that element at play. I, th- I think for me, honestly, it's because of my entrepreneur background, where I knew that if I didn't work. I wasn't getting paid. Right. <laughs> it's, I think I am more comfortable, for instance, with the American way, where servers, uh, waiters, where their base rate isn't that high, and it is predominantly you know, focused on the tips. Yeah. I think that's why. I mean, I remember as a kid going to one grocery store where the person would bring your groceries out, and you would tip them directly, and then going to this other grocery store, and tips weren't allowed. And so, I don't know, it just there's a different mm. uh, feel as a consumer, as a customer, when you go someplace and tips are involved or tips are off the table. And I feel like right now, in this environment, part of what makes it more and more difficult, these conversations around money etiquette, is that tipping is expected in more and more places. 
Yeah, that's so true, man. I think some of the uh, ambiguity around tipping is certainly something that leads to the confusion around tipping specifically. But let's go ahead and dive into conversations around money in general, because I think, you know, broadly speaking, let's just talk about how we talk about money. Uh, because everyone knows that, you know, money, it is an uncomfortable topic for most folks. If you try to bring it up, you might get shut down. Yeah, you want to make uh, someone squirm in their seat, like start <laughs> hey, talking about their income. Or, <laughs> how much do you make, by the way? What's your budget look like, man? Uh, it, it, honestly, like you might even hurt a friendship. And so we've got a few tips to, to make those money conversations less perilous uh, and just more inviting. And so the first little bit of advice we would give to folks here is to make sure that you are reading the room. Uh, and definitely avoid avoid complaining about money in front of people maybe that are struggling with their finances. Uh, so for instance, if you clearly make more than a friend uh, or you know that they, you know, they don't nerd out about money stuff, just make sure that you're being careful about the conversation and make sure that you're being a little more casual. And plus regularly complaining, that's kind of a not awesome way to do things anyway, right? right. Uh, so like complaining about first world problems, you know, like uh, work piling up after a week-long vacation to the Bahamas. That's going to be a, a bit tone deaf <laughs> to a friend who can't afford that time off. Hey, how was that vacation? It was great, but man, am I backlogged at work well, now. And it's like I kind of wish I wasn't able to go on the vacation. <laughs> it's like, oh, really? Oh, tell me how nice that is. <laughs> if you really want to get a conversation started uh, with somebody, I think just starting with like a cool article that you came across or just like an interesting tidbit of information you recently picked up and just get the conversation started by, you know, hopefully you're able to pique their curiosity. So definitely don't complain and make sure that your approach is a little more kind of money philosopher rather than kind of this intense budget drill sergeant. I think for a lot of folks who feel like that they kind of have a solid financial footing underneath them, they can approach some of those conversations with a, you should be doing this, you shouldn't be doing that. Uh, and maybe instead, they just want to talk to their buddy, you know, like, like they just want to talk to their girlfriend. They don't necessarily want to hear all the different things they could be doing differently with their money. Yeah, as a husband over the years, we've been married 11 years, and I have realized it's taken me a while that oftentimes when my wife is having an issue, like she doesn't want me to fix it. She really just wants me to listen, empathize, hear, um, and sit there with her in whatever problem she's going through. And I think the same thing is true when we talk about money with other yeah. people. Uh, when when people either bring up an issue or when you start to talk about money with them, uh, in order to keep them from shutting down or from completely uh, derailing the conversation, Usually it takes just being a little more empathetic and, mm -hmm. uh, you know, just uh, hearing what they have to say, being less prescriptive. That can come later, but especially in the beginning, I think, yeah, reading the room and recognizing when someone is basically screaming at you from inside their brain, hey, no, 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 that's not what I'm looking for, <laughs> so that you can calm it down and bring it back to like, oh, okay, yeah, l l I love talking, like, because we're all about talking about money. We don't want you to com never talk about money with people. We think yeah. it's really important to have that conversation, but it doesn't always have to be do this not that exactly i think figuring out whether this is a i'm sorry that really sucks conversation or if this is a okay let's see how we can fix this conversation i found that to be incredibly valuable <laughs> in my relationship with my wife right right and uh yeah so what about talking about money at the workplace that's like um a, that's different than talking to your significant other or talking to a friend mm -hmm. you'll want to take we would say a similar low-key approach at least at first you know we want you to talk about money but we don't want you to get in trouble and sometimes uh, in the workplace, if you're talking about maybe an uh, off-topic uh, convo, like like talking about your personal finances, that could be something that your boss overhears. <laughs> and they're like, no, 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 shut it down. And you'll, you'll, you'll find that most coworkers actually don't want to go there with you 
But we also think that doesn't mean you shouldn't try. Sure. Uh, read those cues, though, and then shut off the conversation quickly if that's the response you're getting. If you're getting kind of stonewalled or you can tell that person is uninterested, don't keep pushing the envelope. But yeah, you'll likely find that some uh, of the folks you talk to will be interested. And it can be fun to connect with your coworkers on that level, uh, especially if personal finance is super exciting to you, super interesting to them. You listen to How to Money, so you probably are interested at least to <laughs> some degree. But yeah, I, I think it's really important in that process to read the room again and make sure that you're not pushing a conversation that isn't wanted. Yeah, and unlike your friends, your coworkers can't just uh, stop seeing you. Right. You know, like you still have to continue working on that project. Whereas your friends can, I don't know, maybe stop returning your texts <laughs> or your calls. Uh, and so you want to make sure that you're being sensitive to the different topics that you're bringing up around them. But okay, what about uh, compensation specifically? Because I think that's a workplace conversation that, again. I don't. Hopefully, we don't say this too much. We we don't want you to completely avoid these conversations, uh, but you got to be careful, especially when it comes to compensation, because obviously this can get pretty awkward. Hey, uh, how much money you make? Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> yeah. always a way to start it. But we do want to talk about it because part of what we're doing here is destigmatizing this talk around money. But we would recommend that you only do it with uh, different uh, employees, maybe who you would call friends, or you've established some trust, and also make sure that you have a good reason for asking. You know, like I wouldn't kind of go at it with a so. How how much do you make? Question. <laughs> uh, approach it maybe for from a standpoint of curiosity. This is when you know your delivery, how you breach the topic. This is everything. Uh, you know, you, you could approach it from the standpoint of being concerned. Maybe like seriously, maybe you're not. Uh, you're a little bit worried about how much you're getting paid versus the the value that you're actually bringing the company. And obviously, knowing uh, someone else's salary would, would be able to provide you some helpful knowledge when it comes to asking for a raise in the future. And of course, it's worth pointing out that you want to make sure that you keep whatever they share private and confidential. Honestly, it might even be best to kind of have the conversation off premise, not just like in the break room <laughs> for everybody to hear as you uh, as they're walking by. Maybe instead you are uh, able to grab a beer after work. But these conversations really can help you or your coworker make more money. Uh, it's not just about what it can do to help you out, um, but it is important to be careful with your approach and your tone as you enter into some of these conversations. Yeah, Matt, you know, it's interesting. My my friend, our friend, Jesse, who runs the, the blog and the podcast called Best Interest, he and I were just chatting on Twitter the other day. Well, he mentioned, hey, I just got a massive raise uh, like a, a few months back. And he kind of mentioned that it's really, it's, it's been a, made a huge impact on his ability to invest more money. I was like, that's awesome. How'd you do it? And so he shared some really good tips for how he did it. And one of the things I wanted to know was, well, how did you know you were underpaid? And he said, part of it was just water cooler talk, honestly, with some fellow yeah. employees. And so I think, yeah, that's the way to do it. Kind of like, well, what are new employees making? Like you want to kind of try to get to the bottom of that in an ethical and above board way. And he was able to do that and it made a big impact on his ability to then go to HR and say, hey, I feel like I'm not, I'm not getting paid what I'm worth. I've been here two years. People that are just starting out are getting paid as much or more than I am. Bum, 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 bum. And they were like, sorry, bud, <laughs> we're not paying anymore. And he, then he said, okay, cool. I'm in, you know, he didn't tell them this, I don't think, but he's like, I'm going to go hunt for jobs. And he ended up getting a job offer that was more lucrative than what he was currently making. And nice. so he went back and he was like, guys, I think I'm going to take this job. And they were like, well, wait a second, don't leave. We'll pay you more. Yeah. And so that is the classic tried and true way to make more money where you work. But it does involve that 
difficult conversation sometimes mm-hmm. that most of us don't want to have. But if you want to make more money, if you want to grow your salary uh, and you want to get paid what you're worth, oftentimes it takes having that uncomfortable conversation. And I will say, how do money etiquette rules dictate that it is okay to start that conversation if you do it the right way? That's right. All right. We've covered money conversations in general. We've talked about it within the workplace as well. After the break, we're going to dive into uh, money conversations, money etiquette in social situations, uh, including dating. We'll get to all of that right after this break. When it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. That's why you listen to this podcast. And if you're looking to upgrade your wallet, you need to turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. If you're paying for vacations with whatever card is in your wallet, you could be missing out on miles you didn't even know you were leaving on the table. You can get a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? A hotel upgrade, lounge access... Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. Kachava is the all-in-one superfood shake made up of high-quality plant-based nutrients. It's got greens, superfruits, plant proteins, antioxidants, adaptogens, probiotics, and in other words, everything your body craves to feel your best. This is where Kachava really earns their 52,000 plus five-star reviews. It tastes amazing. It's creamy and smooth with just water, and it comes in five delicious flavors. You can choose from chocolate, vanilla, chai, matcha, and coconut acai. Kachava is offering How to Money listeners 10% off for a limited time. I've been using Kachava in breakfast smoothies in the morning recently. It's just so nice to pack in a bunch of nutrients early in the a.m. in a way that's satisfying and energizing. So if you want to optimize your breakfast, your workout shake, be sure to check out Kachava. Just go to Kachava dot com slash how to money that's spelled k-a-c-h-a-v-a and get 10 percent off your first order that's k-a-c-h-a-v-a dot com slash how to money i'm guessing that a lot of listeners are starting to solidify their summer travel plans we always like to get the families together matt for a week yeah, at the we beach do. every single summer we've already got that trip to saint simon's on the calendar pump for that but sometimes those vacations get expensive. So what better way to offset some of those costs than to have your home earning some money while you're away? That's right. Why let it sit empty when it could be earning extra income? It's the financially smart thing to do. So think it through. Maybe you've got some extra space in your home, or maybe you have an entire house to host, or maybe you're just going on vacation and your home is sitting empty. In every case, you can Airbnb it. You already have the space, so it won't be a huge adjustment. I mean, the way I see it, if you're not using your space, you have two options. You can let it just sit there empty, Or you do some optimizing and make some money off it. Really, if you think about it, you already have an Airbnb. You just need to start using it. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. And now a word from the show's sponsors at Betterment. Do you want your money to dream big? Do you want your money to be a total self-starter? Are you annoyed that your money doesn't work hard enough? Don't worry. Betterment is here to help. Betterment is the automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle. Their automated technology is built to help maximize returns, meaning when you invest with Betterment, your money can auto-adjust as you get closer to your goal. 
rebalance if your portfolio gets too far out of line and your dividends are automatically reinvested. That can increase the potential for compound returns. In other words, your money is breaking a sweat while you can be breaking bread. You'll never picture your money the same way again. Betterment, the automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle. Visit Betterment.com to get started. Investing involves risk. Performance is not guaranteed. All right, we're back from the break. We're still talking about money etiquette, and we are going to get to uh, etiquette uh, tips when it comes to dating. That's uh, fraught with peril for lots of people. It's like, how do I I navigate these waters? But Matt, you you have plenty of experience in that area. Uh, You were almost the bachelor on season three back in the day, right? Uh, yeah, I was the first bachelor to have actually gotten voted off the island. Uh, <laughs> I don't think am that's I get, how it works. Am I getting my shows mixed I, up? I think so. I was a survivor. These were I'm pretty sure I was married when the uh, bachelor <laughs> first started. Dog, it's really good you weren't on that show then. <laughs> yes. So, <laughs> but uh, all right, let's let's start off. Let's talk about restaurants and tipping. You know that moment when your date is waiting quietly while you figure out what the tip is going to be. Well, those are awkward situations. And it's Matt. It's very much like the way I feel at a fancy restaurant when there's three forks. I have no idea what to do. I just feel out of place. But yeah, how do you navigate that situation? Well, like, how do you do that? Plus, like I said before, so much has changed when it comes to tipping. It seems like it's suggested, it's being suggested in more and more places. Everybody flips over the iPad and they, they've got preset tipping amounts and you're like, huh, what? I didn't think this, would be, I didn't used to tip here. And it's a little nerve wracking. So um, with cash disappearing, it's becoming more and more of a problem. We're all paying digitally and we're getting tips suggested at us right and left. And then- um, Which to a certain extent, I appreciate because there's some folks out there who aren't as good at the math. Uh, and so for those folks, I think they are they see it as, as welcome relief. But things have gotten a little out of hand. Yeah. And there are some places where there were just no tip zones before. And now it's like, oh, wait. <laughs> no now tip zone. We tip here now? Okay. Yeah. All, right. All right. I feel like if Seinfeld was still around, they would totally they would do a show on this. <laughs> you are in the no tip zone. Sorry. <laughs> but And then when it comes to choosing no tip or custom tip, those boxes are like super tiny at the bottom of the screen. Like, they don't want you really looking there. It's like the checkbox at the bottom of the uh, opt-out email, like when you're signing up for a new product. Exactly. It's like the pop-up on the website, and you're like, where is the X button? Oh, my gosh, yeah. Like, <laughs> lately, they've gotten even more nefarious about that. Like, the designs of the background make it impossible to see. I swear, I stared at one the other day. Either I think, that or you're just getting older. No, dude. It was it was a Spotify ad. I swear, it was a Spotify ad, and I go with the, you know, the non-premium Spotify, and I could not find... I was like, where the heck is the X? I'm not going to agree to this, and it was it completely blended in with the artwork in the top corner they're being a little too sneaky about it <laughs> right okay so how do we deal with kind of this newfound environment when it comes to tipping matt like what are your some of your thoughts well, another thing too, man, I'm just always curious to see what those tip suggestions are, you know, like tip creep. <laughs> That's totally real. Now with a lot of businesses and restaurants changing how they serve you, I, th- I think this changes the equation as well. So for instance, like, should we still tip the same, even uh, if my, my restaurant is short on servers and like, it feels like I'm basically serving myself? Like you basically went to Piccadilly instead of, yes, you know, <laughs> it's like a buffet. That's a lot different of a scenario. That's a much different experience. Even at a local ice cream place, the suggested tip amounts are 20 25 and 30 percent, uh, which is completely ludicrous. That should be our borderline criminal, I would say, <laughs> for ice cream. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and honestly, even at some coffee shops, you'll just see like a basic like one dollar or two dollar, three dollar amount, that kind of thing. That might mean you're tipping 100 percent on that cup of coffee. And here, like, let's be clear, uh, we're not trying to be cheapskates. Baristas rock. They, they can work really hard, uh, but it is not a full service, like high end dining experience. Uh, but I think because those 
options are being presented, it can like guilt individuals into tipping more than maybe you otherwise would have uh, just because you're kind of stuck right there in the moment and they're looking at you. I think if that barista gives me three spoons to choose from to stir my cream <laughs> in the coffee, I would be willing to tip more. You're going to always reach for the golden the, the <laughs> golden spoon, silver spoon. What are you going to do? I mean, I'll go either way. Right. I'm not I'm not picky. But yeah, so so what do we suggest, I guess, in this new tipping environment? We would say, one, like Matt said, don't be a cheapskate. Don't be cheap. We'd rather stay at home and eat than to eat out and to not tip well. That is you know, impacting somebody else's livelihood by sitting down, eating the yeah. meal, taking up their time, and then not tipping uh, as much as you should. If you can't do it properly, don't do it at all. Right? Exactly. And with many small businesses still on the road to recovery because of the pandemic, purposefully opting to tip more whenever and wherever you can is a great strategy. Like We yeah. think you should intentionally choose and try to be more generous when it comes to tipping. I mean, we talked about this a lot back last spring, oh, back yeah. when all the restaurants were shutting down. It's just like, hey, make sure you're going out there and supporting your favorite restaurants because you want to make sure, granted, this is before the PPP uh, <laughs> loan legislation went through. But even that wasn't enough for a whole for lot of some folks sure. it was not enough I, I completely agree but getting out there getting those gift certificates making sure you're tipping extra you know on on top of whatever your order is we're all about that and making sure that we are being active in our communities but at the same time you got to find that balance just like you're yeah. talking about earlier with the beer we splurge on craft beer but at a certain point you got to figure out what's reasonable for you right yeah we, we were even suggesting use some of that stimulus money to yes. help your local economy for sure. But we would say too, make that choice ahead of time and don't let those subtle tip nudges be the deciding factor in the moment. Like the iPad gets turned around in your direction and you're like, huh? Like deer in the headlights. Just, what do I tip now? You clench up. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I've been there. And so I realized, you know what? I have to have a plan of action before I get to this point or I hesitate in the moment. So yeah, we would say don't be afraid to craft your own tip amount instead of using the suggested preset tip amounts. Yeah. And when you kind of have like, you know what? If it's a coffee shop, I tip 10%. If it's this place, I tip 15. If it's this place, I tip 25 or potentially even more. If the service is awesome, you know, it might be worth it to have multiple categories for how much you're tipping. Those simple, quick interactions, you might want to tip less for those bigger ones, for those finer dining experiences, those three fork restaurants, you, you might want to tip more. Totally. Yeah. Let's talk about eating out with friends because this can kind of be a tough etiquette uh, scenario that you might find yourself in because uh, we've probably all been in the place where we're trying to maybe save a little more money than our friends are. You're like uh, over there ordering water, <laughs> one of the cheaper items on the menu. Can I get the water and the uh, Cheerios, please? And then there's that, that, that one friend who's just like, hey, let's just split the bill down the middle. It totally sucks to be in that situation. Uh, but we feel this is uh, an important lesson that we need to learn from uh, because it's, like you said, Joel, it's tougher to have this conversation after they've made that suggestion. It's tougher to make that decision after they've spun the little iPad around and it feels like you're in the hot seat. And so it might sound awkward to have this conversation about picking up your own tab ahead of that dinner out, but just being upfront about it is going to be the winning move. Uh, go with that, you know, the slightly awkward chat earlier instead of the really awkward one later on. And another thing too, if you are, you know, and you're like, oh no, like it's just fun to split the bill. Well, not everybody thinks it's fun. <laughs> uh, if you're the one making that suggestion, uh, we would recommend for you to think through, okay, what did everyone order? Like, did we order equivalent food or equivalent drinks? Because you want to make sure that if you are suggesting that, that uh, you're, you're, you're being fair. Basically. Yeah. I, I think another really important thing to do, Matt, you're right. Have the conversation ahead of time with that friend. Hey, last time you suggested splitting the check and guess what? Here, here's, here's what, where I'm at with money and here's what I'm trying to accomplish. And so for me, like, 
I'm totally down with going out to eat, but I'm trying to spend a whole lot less. So this yeah. time, can we just pay our own way? I think that's a great conversation to have and like really shouldn't make anybody uncomfortable. That's understandable. I think your friend will appreciate the fact that you mentioned and that, it, and that you actually kind of opened up a little bit about what's going on with your, you personally, what your goals are. And you know what? You just started a money conversation right there too, totally. which is cool. And that could lead to some more interesting combos down the road potentially even prodding them to yeah ask you some questions about oh, oh wait wait a second wait you, you you're investing for retirement like are people supposed to be doing that and uh yeah it could be could, could end up helping your friend out actually exactly. in the long run i think it's also okay to make an alternative suggestion your friend might have suggested a nice dinner out but you might say you know what i don't even want to go out and drink water and get the cheapest thing on the menu. I'd rather just stay at home in order to reach my savings goal. And that's okay too, but be honest about that as well. So maybe say, hey, my eating out budget, it's really tiny right now. I've exhausted it for the month. How about you come over for a morning coffee hang instead? Your friend might be like relieved too, right? (laughs) Because they just want to hang out with you. They might not necessarily care about the fine dining experience. They might have like a lot of respect for you that you're letting your values drive your spending decisions. And so, yeah, I think it's just important to have alternative suggestions ready. Just because that one thing they suggested didn't work out doesn't mean you can't uh, offer up something alternative. Hey, let's go for a hike on Saturday morning. Like, let's get outside. Go for a hike. Go for a walk. How about you come over here? Let's have some coffee here and then we'll go for a walk instead of uh, us meeting at a coffee shop. Especially if like you make good coffee. Like, I don't necessarily. I kind of go French press and I think it tastes fine but like i don't know my, the with French my standards aren't high but uh yeah if you make like good pour over coffee or something mm. your, your friend might be excited to come over and like oh give me some of that aeropress broth <laughs> right yeah taste your stuff <laughs> uh okay so what's funny is that kate and i are literally we we literally just did this we are going to be having dinner with some a couple uh they're college friends of ours and we invited them over to our house before we're going and this is going to happen tomorrow uh and, and we're, we're going to have a drink at the house before we go out to dinner uh and it's for us it's kind of less about being super frugal but fact is, four drinks at home is going to be a fraction of the cost of actually going out and all of us getting a cocktail while we're out. Truth. But then again, it comes down to the conversation. How are we going to split the uh, actual dinner bill? And I feel like we know them enough, well enough to, like, I'm going to be the one probably to suggest that, hey, let's just split it down the middle. But just, you know, given the conversation that we're having right now, like, I am instead going, instead of, like, suggesting it, I'm going to maybe ask it and be like, hey, are y'all cool if we just split it down the middle? Because I think the act of asking rather than suggesting, even that right there can kind of open the conversation up to where someone feels a little less pressure to just go along with it as opposed to being like, well, actually, do you mind if we kind of separate out? We're, you know, maybe we're on, maybe they would say that they're on a budget. Regardless, you kind of want to set the table for uh, just a nice, healthy conversation. I thought your classic move was when the bill came to go to the restroom for an extended period of time, maybe climb out the window. <laughs> Have you, you've never do, actually done that, right? No, I've okay. never done that. <laughs> That'll you cost keep, you a friend real quick. You keep saying this almost like, like I mean, you, you say it with uh, much confidence, uh, <laughs> and it sounds like almost experience. <laughs> no, okay. never pulled that one. Uh, never done the dine and dash. Never done that to a friend either. Good, and, uh, good. That's, that would be the opposite of etiquette. So That would be cheap. Don't do that. <laughs> All right, let's, let's talk to Matt about just kind of other maybe money things that pop up. This one is something that we've experienced as parents. Uh, let's say, like, what's the etiquette surrounding contributing to a gift for a teacher at, like, your kid's school? I mean, I feel like similarly to planning ahead, you have to make sure you have room in the budget for stuff like that. And you have to know that those quote-unquote unexpected expenses are going to happen, right? I think uh, it's it's easy to get blindsided and say, 
wait, <laughs> I don't, I don't have money for that. Like, and you didn't know it was coming, but really those are the things that, um, we, we shouldn't cheap out on and we should give something towards. And like, I think just setting aside something, uh, to the tune of 20 bucks a month for requests like teacher gifts, um, or other things in that similar vein is a good idea. And I think that takes a whole lot of stress out of these requests for money because yeah, they don't really come out of left field, even though we feel like they do. So plan ahead for them, uh, give accordingly instead of like getting that stress ulcer every time that email <laughs> comes through and you're like, am I supposed to give money to that now? What am I supposed to do? <laughs> and even just something simple, like for instance, my son's school, he's two, he's going to the school a few days a week and they had a pumpkin patch and we took the time one to go volunteer and help set it up. But then we're going to buy an overpriced pumpkin there because of the good that that money does. Like I could go to Aldi and get me a, a $5 pumpkin, but I would rather spend the extra money and th this money goes to literally benefit his school and refugee families there you go. and i'm like i'm not cheaping out of the pumpkin like of course i'm putting my money there but i have budgeted money for these kinds of purposes and really that's what it takes so that you're not like yeah getting freaked out every time you get asked for money at something like this yeah, that doesn't mean that you should feel compelled to give to everything, right? Like, I think one of the uh, other etiquette conundrums is when people ask for money in the moment. And even if it's not to our faces, right? I'm, I'm talking about the, the rise of GoFundMes uh, online that you might see on social media. You'll see them on Facebook. For instance, if someone has a birthday coming up, they might be raising money for a cause that they care about. But that doesn't necessarily mean that you have to be giving to that particular organization. Oh, man, I see it all the time now. And I'm like, oh, sorry, it doesn't mean I don't love you. And it doesn't mean I don't wish you a happy birthday. But... There's, I'm not contributing to it. Right. Well, and, and I don't feel guilted into that. Like It also makes me think of, too, like uh, giving money like in the grocery store checkout line. That, that is not something I participate in because almost all of my giving is 100% pre-planned. Uh, and it is funneled towards the organization that I know and that I love. So this is an example where I, th I think we believe it's better to be proactive and intentional with our giving rather than being you know passive and casual about it. Uh, we don't want you to be cheap. Do give your money, but just make sure instead that you're taking the time to look up and research charities. And you can do that via a site like Charity Navigator. That's a fantastic site that we've mentioned multiple times here on the show where you can go online, you can look up the different organizations, you can see how much of the money that you give, give to them, uh, how much of it goes towards expenses, how much of it actually goes towards the cause yeah, towards that they support. That mission, yeah. Exactly. But you got, I mean, but kind of going back to what you said, Joel, you kind of have to find that balance between being intentional and proactive. I feel like this is a perfect example of you and me because I feel like you're a little more, you know, a little going, you know, shooting, shooting from the hip a little bit. Um, <laughs> whereas I'm like overly structured and, uh, or, you know, organized. And, but at the same time, I feel like I do need to allow some margin in my life when it comes to Maybe something like a overpriced pumpkin. Yeah. <laughs> I have to be okay with that. I think there's like a, a difference in how I feel too when I give to something spur of the moment. Usually like, and I don't mind setting, I think it's okay too. set aside in your budget some money for spur of the moment gifts, if that's your thing. But for me, at least they provide a really small, like feeling uh, that I've done something good for a really short period of time. But when I have pre-planned my giving and I give it consistently to the organizations I already know and love and am connected to the work they're doing, that feeling, the way I feel about where my money is going, it lasts longer. <laughs> and uh, and so, yeah, yeah it really it's up to each individual how they want to give their sure. money. Yep. But just yep. be prepared in advance. Know that you're going to get maybe uh, asked at the grocery store and be comfortable. Like you're not a cheapskate. You're not a bad person. If you decide not to give in the moment consistently, like if you always say no to that, that doesn't make you a bad person. 
if you feel like you're being generous there you go with your money overall totally and let's talk about generosity matt when it comes to like giving uh or gift giving with family and friends we are in october and so people are planning for the holidays and they're um if not you should be right because of uh shipping delays <laughs> exactly we talked about that a while back you should be yeah actively looking to buy your christmas presents now not waiting till the last minute because of some of those yeah shipping delays leading to product shortages but this is really another uncomfortable spot that a lot of people find themselves in uh, and yeah there are bound to be some awkward moments for lots of families who haven't communicated expectations well around holiday gift giving and this is just another instance where it makes the most sense to get ahead of things and to clearly let your family know that one you love them and two, that maybe you're also working really hard to finally destroy your student loans you can once do, and for all. You can do both of those things at the same time. I can love you and destroy my student loans. <laughs> <laughs> but I, that doesn't that means I also am not going to buy you a $50 gift. That doesn't mean that's going to destroy our relationship. Exactly. Because we're talking about it. Exactly. Yeah. And, and that's really what it comes down to, right? Like maybe instead of giving those expensive gifts this year, opt to exchange time spent together or do some sort of secret Santa. But those are the conversations you probably want to start having now you want to communicate the expectations just like you're planning ahead in your budget plan ahead and communicate well with your family so that you don't show up uh, on christmas morning or whatever it is and you've got nothing in hand and you're like well i'm saving money guys exactly don't you get it (laughs) but if you talk about that and open up those lines of communication far in advance it's less of a shock it feels less like you just didn't you just weren't thoughtful and it feels more like wait, they're being intentional here. We want to help them support uh, support them in that goal. Yeah. So on the note of gift giving, uh, another real quick one here. What are your thoughts uh, as far as the etiquette surrounding giving money as a gift? Uh, and as you think about this, I'll say as a half Korean who has received uh, my fair share of monet- just straight up cash gifts from my mom's friends, fully Korean, I feel like it's maybe more of an Asian thing, but like, dude, like as a practical <laughs> guy that likes to talk about money, I 100% welcome cash. The you know like for like one of our kids, like when they're born, like when a baby's born, or for a wedding, it's easy for me to lash on to the 100% practical side of that. But uh, what are your thoughts on that? Okay, so I think money is actually a better etiquette move than giving a gift card, and that's because oh really I, I do, and I think it feels the opposite because a gift card feels more specific. Yeah, it feels it like says, you thought about it. A I little know you bit. a little bit. I know uh, you like this store, so go buy yourself. Something nice, <laughs> but you get to pick something from that store. I'm, I'm not going to order you a meal. That's, that's too personal. But when you look at the stats and you see the amount of money that goes unspent on gift cards uh, each year, people get gift cards. They get tossed in the drawer. They never get spent. Yeah. But do you ever not spend a hundred dollar bill that comes into your into your life or cash a fifty dollar bill? Yeah, it's cash. You're going to spend it. So I think from that aspect, like I think the better etiquette is to give cash. And I think we can like bring less stigma around that and start giving cash more. I think the thing is to include a note that that is thoughtful oh, okay and this is hey i know you and i know that this is something you'd like and I, I don't know what you're gonna spend it on maybe this this or this but uh, yeah i think that helps make it feel a little more personal and a little less like you just didn't know <laughs> what they liked <laughs> what they care about right i like that dude i like that a lot i think you could even include some stats about the uh, percentage of gift cards <laughs> that go on uh, untapped yeah just to know? convince them that you made the right move yeah, and oh that you weren't gosh, yeah this guy's a total dweeb <laughs> a total nerd uh, but that is how how we roll. Uh, all right, we're going to take a quick break, but after the break, we're finally going to get to talking about money uh, and relationships when it comes to dating. We'll get to that right after this. Mm-hmm. 
When it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. That's why you listen to this podcast. And if you're looking to upgrade your wallet, you need to turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. If you're paying for vacations with whatever card is in your wallet, you could be missing out on miles you didn't even know you were leaving on the table. You can get a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? A hotel upgrade, lounge access... Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. Kachava is the all-in-one superfood shake made up of high-quality plant-based nutrients. It's got greens, superfruits, plant proteins, antioxidants, adaptogens, probiotics, and in other words, everything your body craves to feel your best. This is where Kachava really earns their 52,000 plus five-star reviews. It tastes amazing. It's creamy and smooth with just water, and it comes in five delicious flavors. You can choose from chocolate, vanilla, chai, matcha, and coconut acai. Kachava is offering How to Money listeners 10% off for a limited time. I've been using Kachava in breakfast smoothies in the morning recently. It's just so nice to pack in a bunch of nutrients early in the a.m. in a way that's satisfying and energizing. So if you want to optimize your breakfast, your workout shake, be sure to check out Kachava. Just go to Kachava dot com slash how to money that's spelled k-a-c-h-a-v-a and get 10 percent off your first order that's k-a-c-h-a-v-a dot com slash how to money i'm guessing that a lot of listeners are starting to solidify their summer travel plans we always like to get the families together matt for a week yeah, at the we beach do. every single summer we've already got that trip to saint simon's on the calendar pumped for that but sometimes those vacations get expensive. So what better way to offset some of those costs than to have your home earning some money while you're away? That's right. Why let it sit empty when it could be earning extra income? It's the financially smart thing to do. So think it through. Maybe you've got some extra space in your home, or maybe you have an entire house to host, or maybe you're just going on vacation and your home is sitting empty. In every case, you can Airbnb it. You already have the space, so it won't be a huge adjustment. I mean, the way I see it, if you're not using your space, you have two options. You can let it just sit there empty, or you do some optimizing and make some money off it. Really, if you think about it, you already have an Airbnb. You just need to start using it. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Let's say you've been listening to the podcast and now you're finally ready to start implementing some of the uh, the financial morsels that we're dishing up. Maybe you are trying to save up some more money for a down payment on a house. Or maybe there's a big vacation that you have been dying to take. Well, the money app Monarch. They make it so easy to help you to reach your financial goals. That's why the Wall Street Journal, they named it the best app for growing your savings. Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, track progress toward financial goals, collaborate with your partner even. And now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash howtomoney. And you won't get spammed either. Monarch features ad-free privacy you can trust. They will never sell your data to third parties or show you ads. That's right, man. And after trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. It just makes sense. It works. And right now, listeners of this show will get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash howtomoney. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash howtomoney for your extended 30-day free trial. Go to monarchmoney.com slash howtomoney for an extended 30-day free trial.
Okay, we're back. We're going to get to dating and marriage in just a second, I promise. But first, I want to talk about, we, we just talked about gift giving. Matt, let's talk about lending money to family and friends because that is another zone of money that is fraught with peril. And it's like, well, what's the etiquette there when someone I love asks me for money? So we would suggest to really try at all costs to avoid being the borrower or the lender in this scenario whenever possible. Yeah. And if you're the one borrowing money from a friend, pay them back as soon as possible, <laughs> or at least when you say you're going to, if you're like, hey, I'm going to get paid two weeks from now, I promise that hundred bucks is hitting you back. Hit you up at the end of the month. Exactly. Friendships can easily get damaged if you don't. And if you're the one who's lending the money, it's also helpful to not think of it as a loan. So if your friend comes to you and says, hey, let me, uh, can I, can I borrow a hundred bucks? And you say, yes, don't expect to get paid back. Think of it as a gift that you're making to the person that you care about instead. And if you somehow get paid back, it's icing on the cake because yeah. if you don't view it that way and that person, uh, dis, uh, abuses your trust and doesn't pay you back in a timely fa fashion, it's going to be frustrating and, uh, it, it could cause damage to the relationship. But if you mentally are thinking of it, like, you know what, I'm going to gift them some money. It's no big deal if I don't get this money back. And, and also don't lend any money that you can't afford to lend. If you can't afford it, just be honest and say, yeah. listen, and I yep. don't have the money to give you right now. I love you, but how else can I help you out? Yes, I, I love that so much, dude. Uh, this also makes me think of co-signing because this is kind of a, another form of lending. You're, you're lending your good name. You're lending your credit to somebody. And even in parent and child relationships, it can become a, a source of contention. And so if someone wants you to help them to buy a car, for instance, with your good credit, like this is probably going to be a bad idea for you. When you co-sign, you are telling the lender that you are going to be good for the money. Uh, and so instead, we would recommend uh, that you kind of maybe see that ask from that individual as kind of the perfect uh, way to start a conversation about how they're handling their money. What, like, what is it that they can actually afford? Uh, hopefully that can lead to, I mean, if they feel comfortable enough asking you to co-sign, hopefully they're open enough to uh, handle some additional conversations about money. Right. Yeah. It's like, hey, mom, dad, can you help me co-sign for this brand new Honda Civic? And it's like, wait, slow down there let, let let's see you know yeah. what i'm unwilling to do that how much money do you have on hand yeah can i help you purchase uh, a used one and find the right used car that's going to sure. cost you a whole lot less like that opens up a gateway for a better conversation yeah and i do think i mean that parent-child relationship it is a little bit different like like there's i feel like there is a gray area here especially if you have an adult child who maybe doesn't have a credit score and they are asking you essentially like you know that they're good for it you know that they are incredibly responsible but you just want to make sure that you've had these conversations with them ahead of time you want to make sure that they are open to sitting down periodically and taking a look at how those payments are going that type of thing uh and real quick too joel this is actually another kind of awkward situation regarding the parent child thing what are your thoughts when it comes to adult children who are also hanging out with their parents who are presumably adults, right? <laughs> uh, but like when you get to that point to where uh, the child starts to pay their own way for things, like say oh. you're going to go out, you're in a situation where you can, you can both afford things, uh, but it's kind of like, all right, do we revert back to the mom and dad take care of everything kind of mindset? Or uh, like, where do you think that line is? That's a really good question. I think it depends on both uh, financial situations of both individuals. And mm -hmm. I think as a parent, like that's what I want to do for my kids. At some point, once they've proven that they're responsible with money, like once they get, get out on their own, I, I, think, see, I think once they have a solid job, yeah. and they are earning their own income. Once I'm like, okay, they know what they're doing. I want to treat them in that way. Yeah. But if it's one of those things where they keep coming back to the well, <laughs> then I'm going to be less enthusiastic, I think about, you know, paying for, paying for dinner or paying yeah. for anything for them. But, totally. Yeah. Like I think as a parent, like as I see my kids get older, 
I mean, and we're like, <laughs> we're like decades from this. Right, light years um, away. But I'm trying to imagine what this would feel like. And I think I would want them to show some initiative. You know, like like say they're going to come back home to visit. Uh, they've got a solid, you know, decent paying job. I'm, I'm not expecting them to, to like pay a certain thing, but like for them just to be like, hey, you want me to pick up any groceries on the, on the way yeah. back to the house for the weekend? Like that kind of thing. That just, goes a long way in yes. making you want to then. Yes. Yeah. And I feel the same thing like with my parents. Like they, yeah. they're in the place now where they, they offer to, to buy things. But then I yeah, pay for the, things too. Like same I, thing. My parents, they still do that. They, 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 they came down things. and stayed in the beach house that we rented this past summer and they were like, hey, can we pay for some of it? And I'm like, no way. Like, yeah. this is my treat. And, and <laughs> it felt really good to do that. But that's then other awesome. times they'll pick up the tab at uh, the restaurant when we'll all go out. Yeah. And it's like, that's super sweet. Or it, it kind of depends on the situation, right? Like if you yeah. had like a few years of just really tough times at a job maybe that you hated, for them to have offered that would have not only been incredibly generous, but maybe welcome uh, on, your, on your part. So I think a lot of it does kind of come down to the individual relationship. With, with you and your parents. Exactly. Yeah. Timing, circumstances, that all that, that, that all really matters. Let's talk, Matt, about like more intense relationships. Well, not more intense, but... More romantic. More romantic, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and let's Finally. Talk, we're we're going to get into marriage too, but let's talk about dating for a second. And it, it can be really hard to know what the etiquette should be like uh, when it comes to dating. And Matt, we, you know, just to be honest, we've been out of the dating world for quite a while at this point in time. Uh, you for like, what, 14, 15 years or uh, right. 15 years and me for 11, 12 years. And so we would suggest though, getting the uncomfortable stuff out of the way up front. It's uh, again, it's so much more awkward after the bill comes to talk about who is paying for what. And if you asked someone out, if you said, hey, I like you, can I take you out uh, to eat or to wherever? Offer to pay for the meal. That might sound old school, but it's our opinion that if you like someone enough to ask them out on a date and you plan something cool, then you pay for it. Yes. And of course, it doesn't have to be fancy. I mean, it probably can't be McDonald's, but it certainly doesn't have to be the Three Fork restaurant. But Somewhere between Three Forks and Plastic Fork. Right, right, yes. And Spork. <laughs> <laughs> and if you don't have boatloads of dough for dating, though, that's okay, too. You could still date people. And so, yeah, we would say offer to pick up that love interest in your fancy, like, 2002 Honda Accord or whatever it is, and then go for a hike. But, uh, yeah, or maybe meet for a picnic in a cool park on a beautiful day. You really don't need big money to wow someone who you've got a crush on. Sometimes sweet and goofy goes a lot further. And just putting your actual foot forward, like who you are, as opposed to putting like fake you forward and oh, yeah. making it seem like you've got it all together. I think sometimes people appreciate that. Most of the time, people appreciate that authenticity, even if it doesn't seem like that's what's going to be received well. Seems like you're putting a whole lot of stock in the sweet and goofy category. That's <laughs> <laughs> all I got. Someone's like talking to their, their friend. They're like, well, downside, he's, he's broke. He doesn't make a lot of money but on the upside he's really sweet and goofy <laughs> and you know we, we feel that if like you're more or less like the one who's being treated to a date like definitely don't be the person who uh, orders like the most expensive thing on the menu and then also like the second uh, third the fourth glass of wine uh, instead you know be respectful take the lead of the person who you're on the date with that certainly feels like the respectful kind of path to take, uh, at least for, in, in my opinion. <laughs> One other thing, I think it can be kind of sweet to, to offer to go Dutch as well, where you, you're both paying your way. But, you know, bottom line, we don't need to be the ones here to, to tell you that virtually everything you do and say feels like it's under kind of like the, the dating microscope when you're out on a date, right? <laughs> but it is true that there are countless decisions uh, that communicate something, specifically your thoughts on money to a date while you're out on a date. And if you're the one ordering that fourth glass of wine, well, whether you realize it or not, you are communicating something to them. And so you just want to make sure 
that you are sending the right signals. Yeah, and it goes both ways too because if you yeah, are totally. cr- crushing on somebody and you've initiated multiple dates and you show up to every one of them with like a gift every time, it's like <laughs> a really nice, which can be nice bouquet yeah, of flowers. So yeah, yeah, and I like here. I'm all about giving my wife gifts, bringing flowers home, stuff like that. Oh, you've talked about your tulips, but especially as you're getting to know somebody um, and you don't know them very well, if you're bringing something fancy every single time, it starts getting out of hand. Yeah, you're communicating that you're a big <laughs> spender, whether or not you have your finances in shape. And a more frugal receiver of these gifts, they might not be used to uh, you know what these lavish gifts that you're bestowing sure and that's okay but if that's something that matters to you and you know hopefully you have your money game together that's okay uh go for it but yeah more than anything else just make sure that you're being yourself i think sometimes in the dating world it's easy to get caught up in spending more money than you feel comfortable doing and you know if you're actually trying to find like a life partner that's not really what you're going for. You want them to kind of recognize who you are, quirks and all, and somebody, I promise, somebody will love you for for those for those things. You don't have to put on a front to win somebody over. Sure. Yeah. So on a related note, we actually had a listener who emailed recently about uh, dating etiquette and they wanted to know about using a coupon on a, on a date. So Joel, yeah, what does what your money etiquette meter say in, re- in regards to that? Okay. I don't want to date anybody or like be married to anybody who isn't cool with me using a coupon, <laughs> right? So like we get Luckily, these- you found the right Person. Right. So yeah. we, we regularly get these like mailers every month and one of our favorite restaurants almost always has a coupon in there. It's right around the corner. It's a nice restaurant too. <laughs> it's like a two fork place. And, uh, and so... Yeah, I'm. I'm not. I'm totally going to use the coupon if I've got it. And you know what? It's a nice place to eat out. And I, I think if you feel shame in the coupon game because of what someone else might think, then you need to get over it. Because uh, if they're gonna, if you're a coupon type of person, use the coupon. And if the person that you're going on a date with isn't down with that, I think um, maybe it wasn't meant to be. <laughs> <laughs> and again, like each one of these decisions is uh, like these are instances where you're communicating to your your date, to your partner, where you stand. Uh, and yeah, you, if you are all about coupons, you want to make sure that you've got somebody who can join you on that coupon filled future. All right, Joel, let's take it to like the next level. Let's talk about kind of like I just want to clarify. I'm not a crazy extreme <laughs> couponer. OK, no, honestly, I think this is like the only time in your life when you do use coupons. Right. It's, it's like, very rare that I yeah. actually use coupons, but. I mean, if I get one and it's a place that I love, I'm going to use it. All right. Let's talk about marriage. Let's uh, take it to the next level. There's this term that's kind of gotten more popular in recent years. Uh, and that phrase is getting financially naked. Have you you've heard? Yeah, we've talked about this before. For sure. Once you've progressed beyond the dating phase, you're uh, considering spending maybe some serious amount of time with an individual. Maybe you're thinking about getting married. Then it is time to get naked, uh, financially speaking. And that's because we feel that relationships that are going to endure, uh, they have a foundation of honesty. Like they are based on transparency and honesty. And so, man, this is the period of time that, yes, it's important to understand how your partner communicates. And yes, it is important to be respectful. But man, I feel that all etiquette kind of goes out the window at this point in time. It's about kind of stripping it down to the numbers. Uh, and there's no hiding at this point in your relationship. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, you don't want to necessarily do this on the first date, right? No, no, of course not. <laughs> like, hey, uh, what's your name again? By the way, here's my credit score and the amount of debt I'm in. Uh, that's that's a bad time that to do it. That would be a little too forward, mm-hmm. just like uh, other ways you could be more forward with a date. Right, but you've been dating for eight or nine months, and you've talked about getting serious, and marriage is maybe even on the radar, whatever that's when you do want to start sharing some of these things 
you don't want to hide even your financial mistakes. And you know what? Even those mistakes probably have bred some better habits, right? We all learn from those mistakes. So it's important to, yeah, even in that conversation say, you know what? Here's all my student loan debt, but um, guess what? I've been listening to this podcast. I'm getting better with my money. And that's a good spur for a conversation. And you being open is, is going to make them feel more comfortable being open too. And that's a good thing because, yeah, who doesn't want to uh, someone to love them warts and all? Like, that's what we always oh, yeah. say. You know, we, we want someone to love all of us. For and then, richer or for poorer, baby. And then we hide a lot of who we are oftentimes. Yeah. And, yeah, you don't want to continue down the path of a relationship if it feels superficial uh, because, yeah, beyond this point, you're committed to each other and you know that your partner's problems are going to become your problems when you tie the knot. And so you want to know what you're actually getting into. And if this is a topic you've managed to avoid so far, let's say you have been dating someone seriously for quite a while, maybe wading into those waters with a conversation talking about employer benefits and 401ks is the way to go. Like ease on into it. Don't like immediately jump to like how much debt do you have? Right. Yeah. (laughs) And you you can start easy. You can start simple. Get more comfortable as you go getting a little bit deeper, but it's time. Like if you are getting serious with somebody, you got to know their financial standing and you got to be honest about yours too. 100% man. You know, like honestly, the more financial secure I get, the more I get excited about being generous. And that's not something we're really talking a whole lot here, but like I've become more likely to pick up that breakfast check with a friend uh, when we go out or maybe even kind of tipping more than I usually would. And I think that's pretty cool. Like it's, it's, it's where I want to see my money going but realize that, like, I know that not everyone is in that position. And that's kind of what we're talking about here today. You know, when you're talking with your friends, it can be tough to hit all the right notes on the money etiquette front. But uh, hopefully we feel that this episode will will give you a a little more confidence to maybe suggest something more affordable when you're making plans with your friends or, you know, to create that custom tip amount for maybe a little bit less than the suggested amount. Or maybe this will encourage you to to talk about money a bit more freely just in general. And definitely upfront communication is going to be key when your etiquette moves involve others, uh, we're all likely going to kind of come down on different sides of the issue based on our individual circumstances. And here's the thing, that is okay. Like that is the thing that makes each of us unique, that makes each of us our own. But when it comes to our friends or our romantic partners, you want to make sure that you're having uh, open and clear conversations about these things uh, and that you're not afraid to talk about it. Right. If I had Warren Buffett money, I'd probably tip $5 on every coffee I got. And no matter what, 50% on every meal I ate out, right? Why not? you know, as you reach different levels yeah. of you know, financial fitness, financial independence, you can be, if you want, more generous with that money that's coming into your life. But I think, too, some of these norms, Matt, like you said about choosing your own tip amount, like that, those norms are worth breaking. It's yeah. uh, and these are some of these are barely established, not even new norms. And so, why are we holding to them? Like we're going to be booted out of civilized society <laughs> if if we don't, you know? And the the uh, you're not welcome here anymore, so. <laughs> right? And the norms for for so many people is to be in debt up to their eyeballs because they are. Oh yeah, they're buying everything. They're you know, being um generous with money they don't even have sometimes. And you know, you and I were all about living differently, being even a little weird sometimes. Um, you don't want to necessarily needlessly ruffle feathers, but we think that there are ways for you to handle your money well, to have solid etiquette, but not necessarily doing what everyone else around you is doing. And, and ultimately, 
communicate well, be honest, uh, be honest with yourself and be honest with the people around you. I think if you are doing those things, if you're being authentically you, then you're going to come out okay. But uh, Matt, let's get back to the beer. This is a collaboration beer uh, by Burial up there in Asheville, North Carolina, one of our favorites, Uh, a fantastic New England style IPA. And I was, uh, I feel like I picked up on some kind of like tropical some sort of fruit vibes, uh, which you oftentimes don't get with a New England style IPA. And I was happy to see that on the label, it talked about some freeze-dried New Zealand Sauvignon Blanc skins. Oh. Uh, and so I'm kind of like, oh, okay, maybe that's where some of the, maybe slightly more fruity notes came from. But it lent it this brightness uh, that I appreciated and that you oftentimes don't find with a New England IPA. Yeah, it also had some hops from New Zealand as well in this beer. And I feel like some of those hops from like literally the other side of the planet have some really interesting flavors. Some of the coolest IPAs I've had have had like Australian or New Zealand hops. And so this was a really good beer. I don't know what they're doing differently when it comes to hops down there. Maybe they can just grow stuff that we can't up here in the States. But yeah, this was a really good beer. And really, anytime Barrel makes a beer, I'm down to try it. Down there in New Zealand, they uh, the hops grow counterclockwise stuff <laughs> clockwise right they grow like down into the ground like <laughs> carrots yeah i'm glad you and i got to uh, each enjoy one of these beers during this episode and we will make sure to share a picture of this beer uh, as well as any other additional resources or links that we may may have mentioned during this episode up on our website at howtomoney.com yeah and of course matt and i we appreciate you listening especially to the very end of the episode like this right yeah i mean we wouldn't be anywhere without the, the kind folks, the awesome folks, at least the people we've met that listen, and the, the How to Money crowd is a special crowd. So thanks for, thanks for always being there for the show, and yeah, we hope you have a great rest of your day. So Matt, that's going to do it. Until next time, best friends out. Best friends out. Upswell Marketing would like to remind you that when customers choose your small business, they're really choosing you. So focus on super serving your existing customers and let Upswell handle the pipeline generation of new leads and customers. Upswell specializes in developing customized direct response campaigns and is now offering a no obligation free assessment of your current marketing strategies. Not to mention new customers also receive 15% off their first order when they mention that they heard about Upswell on this podcast. For more information, visit upswellmarketing.com. That's upswellmarketing.com. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. When it comes to your finances, go for the credit card that's always there for you. With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, that means no more waiting for, quote, normal business hours just to get a hold of someone. We're talking real service from real people whenever you need it. Get the customer service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment... Oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. 
he says, somebody's in the house. And I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. <laughs> 